damn. I am these false starts. Can we paste my intro into this doc, please? I want my prompt. Um, I feel like I know I have it pretty much memorized, and I know I'm gonna do a twist on it. But I, I want my I want my prompt. Why are you typing it? Just copy it from an old doc. What are you doing? I, I memorized it at this point. When we hit season ten, we're gonna be like we're gonna have assistance. I feel it. Welcome, welcome back to the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. This is the podcast where we work to dissect and analyze and investigate the amazing, the spectacular, the indescribable, immense power of storytelling and learn how to harness that power to supercharge our everyday lives. I'm Gorv. And I'm Kevin. Kevin, we are back. For season three of the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie podcast. Can you believe we've made it this far? Hours of content is out there, dozens of episodes. So, after we've talked to all these amazing people and, and created all this content and spent so much time reading about and talking about storytelling, are we expert storytellers, Kev? I don't think so, Gross. Absolutely not. We are not. We are still doing this from the perspective of our audience members. We are still creating this podcast with no expertise in the field, and we are still asking expert storytellers to share their techniques and their success. And I'm so excited because season three, season three is amazing. The people we have lined up, the people we've talked to, oh my God, I am so excited. But you know what we're gonna do? Because we're on the third season, because we're celebrating some of the amazing learnings, let's go back and bring back an amazing expert storyteller. Someone who, when we finished the conversation all those years ago, we were like, man, we wish we had hours more. Man, we wish we could talk to you longer because there's so much we haven't even scratched that yet. Kev, who's returning to launch us into the third season of our show? For our season opener of season three, we are bringing back Dr. Drea Letamendi, who is one of our first guests on the show back in season one. She is, what should we call, a superhero psychologist, if you will. Dr. Dre Letamendi has been uh, director of the UCLA Resilience Center. Uh, she's now associate director of mental health training at UCLA. She has been featured on documentaries and, and media about her psychological analysis of a lot of pop culture films, movies, and stories from Star Wars to Batman to Lord of the Rings. Uh, we had her on the show to talk about what we can learn from these superhero stories about resilience, about the psychological aspects of fiction and how these stories can help us understand some of the hardest aspects of the world. So we're very excited to have her back on the show to continue talking about uh, storytelling, about psychology, superheroes, fiction, all that good stuff. Let's get to it. Yeah. So, Drea, to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is the story? And since we last talked to you two seasons ago, how has your story changed in the past few years? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back on the show. Congratulations on such a success. I know how hard it is to run a podcast uh, and to get in, into the uh, the number of sessions that you've had. So 
big congrats to your team. Since we last talked, I mean, you know, generally, I'd say that my story has always been a little bit nonlinear and off the usual path. Professionally, I started on a very, um, what I would consider kind of traditional routine path for clinical psychologists. I went to grad school, I did an internship, I looked into academic jobs, and I was really enthusiastic about the field of clinical psychology. And it just so happened that my career took some interesting timey-wimey twists and turns, and I had some opportunities to explore the intersections of superheroes with psychology, and I'd say fundamentally storytelling with psychology, and that drew me into many other types of spaces. And I'd say that that's probably a good summary of our last conversation on on the show. Since we've talked, I will definitely say that my journey continues to be nonlinear, somewhat non-traditional, unexpected, uncertain, and... I I think what has been a huge element of this work that I've embraced recently is authenticity, trying to find my voice in the room, trying to further explore. I think because I found that I'm able to, I suppose, be somewhat successful with my voice and with being as authentic as possible, I'm now embracing that rather than trying to fit into kind of the traditional disciplines in this field. So it's, it's I, I suppose, a celebration of the self in the last couple of years, just really looking for opportunities to continue to be uh, genuinely who I am. I love comics. I love superheroes. I love science fiction, storytelling, and, and media. And the media landscape is such an exciting place to be um, and so filled with the exploration of mental health and psychology that it's just been nonstop uh, fun. So it's it's really been such a pleasure to have these opportunities. That's amazing. We're so excited. And we're so excited to get into some of these things again, because yeah, this field's exploded. And I noticed the uh, timey-wimey Doctor Who reference there and absolutely love that. But, <laughs> um, uh, but there's so much, there's, the field's exploded these last few years and we're getting to so many more deep and intense stories. I'm thinking like, uh, Wakanda Forever doing if we are like tragedies. I'm thinking of uh, WandaVision talking about grief and also the way the MCU is changing as we talk about legacy. Because unlike in the comics, these people age and evergreenness of the, the series is important. Um, so, but I wanted to circle back to what you were saying about authenticity because that's one of our buzzwords almost for the show because it's one of those things, the storytelling that comes up time and time again. And one of the things we love about the show is the reason we bring on such unique expert storytellers from wine experts to neuroscientists to psychologists to people like you to comic book writers is because we look for these little tidbits where they're like, this is how storytelling is told. This is how storytelling relates to people. And authenticity, authenticity is the difference. It's what goes from good to great. So I, we love that you're channeling that and bringing that in because it's just going to lead to more storytelling success. I didn't realize how much my own self-doubts and um, self-questioning and imposter syndrome impacted my ability to even reach out and find myself 
um, looking for opportunities or, or feeling like these things were accessible. And furthermore, you know, there's a lot of research to show that when someone is fully attuned to their sense of self, when they feel comfortable, they feel vulnerable, they feel a genuineness about showing up, they're much more successful. They perform better. They speak better. They connect better. And I think that as much as I still do get anxious and uh, sometimes still a little unsure about the work that I do, every time I connect to that authenticity in myself, I'm able to make those connections. I'm able to articulate myself better. And I think I'm also able to demonstrate to folks how meaningful stories are, how much stories matter when it comes to our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the huge things we talk about on this show is this, that stories, uh, how we've been connecting since the dawn of time, right? It's how we learn. That's what mythology is. It's the way to teach our children not to go into the forest late at night, right? This is stories, how we've learned for decades and being able to touch upon that and be like, a lot of the ways people learn about the world is through movies, is through uh, books is through entertainment. So if you can be more thoughtful about talking about mental health in comic books and uh, movies and things like that in a more thoughtful way, it makes people feel less alone and it makes people understand what's going on, which obviously it is better for everyone if we understand that we're not alone. And that's one of the powers of storytelling that we love to talk about. What's bothered me so much in my experience with the discipline of psychology, and this is true of other sciences as well, is surrounding the gatekeeping and kind of holding on um, very tightly to different discoveries, findings, and knowledge. And I can understand why historically that has been a practice, um, but one of my goals, I suppose, even an unarticulated goal throughout my own history was to kind of unpack that a little bit and disentangle and, and even um, break some of those boundaries, violate those practices in order to get information uh, and knowledge about mental health out to the community. And I totally agree, Gore, with what you're saying about storytelling. It's it's a foundation. It's a stewardship. It's the uh, it's it's a shared experience that we can have that allows us to to be able to access that knowledge and it's even quite humbling you know I, I don't I have a, a science practitioner background but I, I don't necessarily um, understand my intellectual repertoire as something that isn't um, accessible to other people I, I, I that's why I do podcasts that's why I um, have had my own podcast for this many years is I just really want to get that information out. And I trust that the public not only can utilize that information, but can better themselves with that information. Over the past few years uh, in this comic book superhero department, we're not only seeing more stories of the heroes, but we're also seeing stories of these super villains, namely the Oscar winning Joker and Loki from the MCU kind of started off in the franchise as more of a villain, but over time, you know, he's gaining fandom and we're seeing his story play out in their, uh, his own right. So uh, I wanted to just learn from you, what role do you see these good villain uh, play in the superhero story? You know, how, how is this kind of storytelling aspect helpful for the audience? I have always welcomed the story of the villain because of how 
how accessible those stories can be because they're fictional there's a closeness we can get to these characters there's a curiosity that's very healthy and and innate in us to wonder about um someone who's uh potentially dangerous someone who holds ideas that are um abnormal or someone who um may take a lot of risks and what I appreciate too is the emergence of not only some of the sort of quintessential villain archetypes, but also the emergence of a more blurry gray version of a villain, the anti-heroes, the, the characters who may start off somewhat shady and reveal some compassion, some depth, some emotion within them. Uh, and again, certainly heroes are also exciting to study, but villains themselves have a unique flavor to them. They're um, they're representing often a very fictional, exaggerated um, version of us, but can teach us some lessons about ourselves. And recently, like you said, we've seen some characters that are meant to be villains, but are incredibly relatable. Um, stemming, like you said, from the Marvel universe, Loki, who starts off as very self-centered, egocentric, who reveals himself actually as someone who's very self-doubting and self-hating. Um, it, it, he's quite an emotional character. Um, characters like the Joker, who in this most recent iteration, I know we'll get more, is the representation of some of our community's most feared aspects. This lone gunman, somebody who is out of touch, out of reach, who um, is exhibiting some signs that worry us. And I found that the Joker film was not necessarily about the Joker as an individual, but our society's inability to connect to this lonely character and our helplessness around um, the, the world that is building uh, surrounding a character like that. And then more recently, we've seen some amazing depictions. I'm currently watching The Last of Us, which of course is based on a video game and features Joel, who's, he's not a villain. I mean, the villains, of course, are these monsters, the, these um, uh, these almost zombie-like creatures who used to be humans and, and were overtaken by this virus. Um, but Joel himself sort of as this unsympathetic a slightly traumatized, uh, internally angry, and inaccessible person. And I know over the course of the show, we'll learn more about him and, and we'll probably feel more connected to him. Um, so fundamentally, there's the opportunity to start with a character like, uh, like a villain and work through the various layers, like an onion, just peeling it back and learning more about not just how we can connect to a character who who might be lacking uh, social connections, but maybe also to learn a little bit about ourselves and our our phenomenology. You know, I think that's it's so important. And one of the reasons we want to talk about villains this time is because we spent so much of the last time talking about the hero and the origin story and uh, talking about how we idolize some of these heroes. And I think the role of a good villain is so important in our own development too, especially... I think what you're touching upon is empathy, right? I think we're in a society right now where it's very easy to villainize people based on moments, based on one thing they said, uh, based on hearing them in a grocery store for 30 seconds, right? 
we're so quick to villainize people where if we can develop empathy for not even just an anti-hero, but for these huge villains, even in small ways, it allows us to say, okay, people are more complex. People are going through feelings as well. And it it's that idea of finding empathy in the villain story and not being so quick to villainize. Absolutely. I think some of us too have had experiences where we have been villainized. We've been stereotyped. We've been pinned down to maybe superficial or untrue characteristics. And it's very painful. It's very hurtful, especially if it has to do with identity, if it has to do with belongingness, if it has to do with um, our um, values. And I, I think that we can you know, again, reach into superhero stories, especially video video game stories, science fiction stories, to understand some of the, not only the motivations, but some of the reasoning why somebody may come across as defensive, as angry, as uh, standoffish. One of my favorite characters to kind of deconstruct right now is Namor from uh, from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's streaming right now on Disney, so I feel like I can give a few spoilers about this movie. I won't give away the end, but Namor is a character who a lot of us knew from the comics, and the film adaptation did a bit of rewriting, a a bit of reimagining this character to embody a figure who is leading a community that has been oppressed, that has been um, essentially... um, um, targeted they've been dislocated from their homeland and it represents a a huge array of aspects that indigenous communities and latinx communities have experienced um, by white oppressors and so it's interesting because this is a character who in the film is introduced as a villain sort of uh, comes across as cold and calculating and unmoving. And we see that there's uh, there's almost a, a history there that we come to realize, a history of great pain, a history then of, um, of strength, of overcoming hardships. And then we realize that a character who, who's in the beginning may have been a villain becomes much more dynamic, much more soulful, somebody who represents resilience and if that's not relatable i don't know who is yeah i think it's so funny because you when you think back to kind of the origins of dc and marvel in this sense this is one of the huge controversies people had with dc where we had these very boxed heroes right we had the iconoclast we had wonder woman we had the trinity where we had wonder woman batman superman and they were very like one-dimensional with one-dimensional villains right and then as Marvel developed a little bit more character with their hum- with their 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 heroes, making them more human, making them more complex. And we even saw DC kind of follow up with making their villains a little bit more complex and more. And it's that yin and yang, sorry, yin and yang <laughs> of the the two companies that has allowed us to create more and this circles right back to authenticity, right? This is where more authentic stories where we start to relate to both sides. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the anti-hero who sits in the middle where it's hard, right? It's hard to even call him a villain or call him, or it's hard not to root for him, right? Him or her. 
we're trying to understand all the characters, right? And we're trying to relate to them and see how they got there. We can still root for someone and it doesn't make us a bad person to empathize with the villain, but it makes us more empathetic and kind of more resilient because we can kind of see and communicate. And I think that's so important in our society today as we get more divided to take seconds and say, okay, how did they get here? I might disagree with them, but can is there something we can relate on, something we can have a conversation about and power storytelling in that sense where we're relating to villains in superhero movies, but we can't talk to one another in real life. Absolutely. Some of the aspects of superhero comics and, and cinematic versions of superhero stories are especially good at teaching us that we can sit with feelings that that society otherwise tells us not to have. Feeling anger, um, feeling resentful, feeling um, grief. You know, a lot of times we're told to get over it. A lot of times we're um, we're shown or or we're taught to um, to try to um, be happy as soon as we can to recover quickly. And I think during the pandemic, there we a lot of us felt this push to. Um, to overcome hardship quickly, to um, be able to be happy and joyous and content in the midst of trauma. And a lot of these characters um, who we're talking about right now um, really sort of counter those those social, emotional teachings by, by saying, no, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel angry. And it's even okay to want to, to engage in um, in certain behaviors, it's okay to want to act out. It's okay to feel like you want to lash out. And, um, you know, there is the wisdom. There's the, the, the emotional wisdom is what do you do with those feelings of anger, resentment, grief? Um, what you, what you probably shouldn't do is take over an entire town, brainwash everybody and create this fantasy world that actually doesn't exist. Um, that's my reference to WandaVision. Yeah, you stole my segue. I was going to say, what is grief if not love persevering, which I believe is the quote. You know, we've been talking about villains and we've been talking about this idea of blocking out negative feelings and negative emotions and uh, has been kind of shutted out of a lot of these kind of classic hero villain stories, right? Where Batman is always good and Superman, who I uh, mixed feelings about Superman, but truth justice the american way like it's very stoic but wanda has been amazing because it's talking about what is she teaching us about grief what is she teaching about um about how we feel when not understanding people's intent behind actions right and also like i know there's a lot of conversations happening about what if this was not wanda but what if vision was doing this or what if this was a male counterpart why are people treating her more harshly than their male counterpart? This is a, a testament to Marvel's longevity of storytelling, where they were able to build up one of the most important iconic heroes and then twist her in a way where she was a main villain in Doctor Strange. And But is she a villain? Is she an antihero? So it's so complex. So I would love to kind of get into that a little bit more. What did WandaVision teach us about grief? And going further, what did Doctor Strange teach us about perspective? I think it, it, at first glance, some of Wanda's struggles can be really relatable. She, in fact, faced a number of different traumas. Losing vision was not uh, the first hardship that 
Wanda Maximoff experienced. She had so many from stemming from childhood, so many interpersonal traumas. And I always highlight the difference between interpersonal trauma and uh, other types of traumatic events like natural disasters and vehicular accidents and random violence. Interpersonal trauma is more commonly seen in our offices as psychologists. We often see people who um, struggle to overcome this kind of trauma because there's, in most cases or in more cases than not, a shift in worldview. When somebody has hurt you or when somebody, a a person, another human being and another being in general has um, targeted you or victimized you, as Wanda's experienced even before her loss of vision, um, we we often, we grow to be um, less trusting. We grow to be fragmented in the way that we think. And when Wanda forms a relationship with vision, she already has a repertoire of a little bit of distrust and a need for security, a need for stability. And she's found that in this relationship. And there's this um, this potential. Uh, often people don't think that grief can be related to something you never had. Um, but uh, what WandaVision showed us is that grief can absolutely be about the future you lost, the thing you never got to have. Um, and we saw this in the pandemic when so many um people that I worked with, I work at UCLA and I work with a lot of college students. So many college students and and young people were telling me, I missed out on the things that I hoped would happen in the next year. My volunteership, my job, my internship, um, my career, um, time with family. And I think all of us can relate to that. Do we have the right to grieve something we never had? And WandaVision really showed us that absolutely, that's fundamentally a loss and there will be significant changes in our psychology because of that loss you know um i know kevin's dying to say something but i'm gonna keep going for a second Go for it. Uh, but you know it's that's so interesting is uh, especially because you know for kevin and i we graduated in the pandemic right so we were 2020 and i remember when we found out like at first it was like okay we're missing two weeks of our, fall quarter, our final quarter. We're like, okay, that's tough. Whatever, we'll survive. Then we found that commencement was gone and we were crushed on that. And then the whole quarter. And luckily we were with uh, one of our, our best friends um, who on the show we call Captain America. But um, One of our best friends and the three of us were living together for that year. And we had lived together for years at that, or up to four years at that point. And so we had a familiarity and we got to, do some of the things we saw as like senior year, like we jumped in the fountain, um, which if you're not a UCLA student, I'm sure you can get <laughs> the context. Uh, we we celebrated, we took our grad photos, we did all the things in micro ways, but there is a lot about that model you have in your head already of like, this is what this is supposed to be. This is the story, right? And it's there's a mm-hmm. loss, there's a grieving process there. But I think one of the biggest things is reframing the story and be like, no, they're not the best this is what's going on and being able to grieve, like you were saying, grieve that loss a little bit, but also understand and reframe the story in a sense of like, this is what we have. How can we still make it the best for us? It was really quite serendipitous 
that WandaVision and other stories, I think to Endgame and other Marvel stories were available to us during some of our darkest times and respect to COVID and um, all of the uh, the pandemic related hardships um, because I think we really needed to be close to some of that storytelling to to be able to not only relate to those experiences on screen, um, but to have almost a vicarious learning from it, to open up dialogue and conversation around loss and pain and trauma and the idea that it's okay to not be okay. We don't have to rush to recovery, um, but we also can understand that healing itself is nonlinear, timey-wimey, really complicated. Um, and if we're not respectful, if we're not mindful about healing, some very scary things can happen um, to ourselves and other people. And I think WandaVision is, is a really good um, cautionary tale, of course, very supernatural, right? But a cautionary tale about the links and the, the underpinnings of traumatic experiences. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, brings us back to the the idea of authenticity as well, that even with these fictional stories and characters uh, filled with supernatural elements, the, you know, the feelings, the trauma, the core of the stories, um, the, the conversations they're able to open up are very much authentic. And, and that, you know, is the power of stories that um, get people so drawn towards one final topic we'd like to discuss with you circling back to uh, the discussion on the hero's journey a little bit we want to talk about failure um and it is of course a huge part of a lot of the hero's journey and i think if you look at you know this one particularly interesting superhero uh show invincible um something we've noticed as we watch it is throughout season 1 Invincible has actually never won a single battle that he's been in because like every one of the guys he's fighting has, you know, either stopped because of some reason totally unrelated or just killed themselves. Um, so, you know, but he's kind of still a hero or people would still think of him that way. And so that leads us to kind of question, you know, what really makes a hero? Are you still a hero if you've never won a battle still? If you're, you're still kind of struggling, struggling to defeat the bad guys? Or are you a hero just by kind of showing up and trying? <laughs> I love that. Showing up and trying. Exactly. I Everyone has different definitions of heroism. And of course, uh, the hero's journey sort of creates a paradigm for us to work from, um, which I've talked about on the podcast that I do, uh, both in very loving and also very negative ways, um, because of course there are other heroic paradigms to, um, to study. But what I do like from the hero's journey is sort of the aspect of um, maybe there's a quintessential challenge that we as heroes or or that our hero encounters and it's not necessarily a, a monster or an alien um it is our shadow self 
a hero is somebody who has the willingness, tenacity, perseverance to explore and face their shadow self. What, what are they hiding from? What are they running from? What are they scared of? And manifestations of that comes across whenever they have a battle, whenever they have conflict, and of course, when they have failures. Um, so I love this question as a way to uh, end our conversation, because what makes a hero is unique to each of us. Um, it's ongoing, it's longitudinal, it's continuous, it's a journey. It's not one event. It's not like one thing is going to make you heroic. Um, and I, I, I really kind of embrace this concept that as long as someone has a genuine curiosity and willingness to explore that within themselves, there's a self-betterment about that. And I think that can make someone heroic. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly, it's exactly what we're talking about, right? It's that cross. And I in this episode, we've talked a lot about kind of the crossing between anti-hero, villain, hero, and these kind of mental models that, and these boxes we put ourselves in through stories, like even the story of college and best four years of your life, it's not geeky, but <laughs> it's like, these are boxes, right? And by having empathy for these different types of heroes, having empathy for the quintessential challenge, having understanding that we're all just kind of trying our best is so important for being a good human and connected person. And we can use stories like WandaVision story, like Invincible story, like Joker and Harley Quinn story to understand people better. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about comic books, about the superhero story is that storytelling in general is this is how we connect to one another. And it's so important. close out our episode we have this quick segment called suspenders ask you a fun random question unrelated to anything give us any fun answer you feel like so question of the day what's the most unusual food you've ever tried and what did you think of it wow uh what a good question the most unusual food i've ever tried so the, I'm just going to say, this is like an association thing, right? I'm just going to say the first thing that comes to mind. Um, when I was a kid, my family used to cook this dish. I grew up in a um, mixed cultural family. My mom's side is Chinese, Ecuadorian. My father's side is Ecuadorian. A lot of foods we ate were kind of a blend. And when I was young, um, I would watch my, my grandmother, my mother cook um, this dish that involves, um, I'm, I'm not even making this up, it involves peanut butter, fish, plantains, and some other sauces. And as I list the ingredients, I know listeners are like, why does do these things go together? And as a child, I will say, this was the oddest thing. You know, I, I grew up myself um, very um, culturally blended. I grew up an American. And so, you know, I was horrified that my uh, my family was making this this very um, exotic dish. I didn't want anyone to ever know about this, and I didn't understand the flavor. And so, um, this is en ending up to be a, be a very cultural story. As an adult, this is such a tasty, savory dish. I recommend it. <laughs> if you can um, find this dish, I think it's um, technically. Um, uh, a coastal Ecuadorian dish 
and I don't know that you can find it in the U.S., but um, it's quite good. It's actually quite good. You eat it with white rice, and it's savory. It's sweet. Um, it's really good. But as a child, it was so odd to me, um, and I I have now a full respect for it. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, I was just gonna say probably the frogs we ate in China kept. That was for me, but <laughs> yeah. no, I love that. I love the story mm-hmm. behind it. I love how unique that sounds, and yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing as always. We were so excited to have you back. I can't believe how fast that flew, but we really appreciate it. I'm so grateful to have been a guest again, and I just appreciate everything you're doing. The cadre of people that you have on to celebrate identity, uniqueness, belongingness. And storytelling, and it's such a pleasure to be a part of your show. Thank you. Welcome back to Top Hat. This is where we dissect and analyze some of the cool learnings we got from this week's expert storyteller. And this week, we had the amazing return of Dr. Andrea Letamendi, who is a superhero to us. She is one of our favorite people to talk to. She interweaves mental health. Uh, the superhero story and storytelling in such a beautiful way. And Kev, how amazing was it to have her back on the show? Yeah, I mean, it's just cool and fun to talk to Dr. Troy. I don't know what else to say there. And of course, last time we had her on the show, we got, um, you know, we got really into um, the superhero story and how uh, that relates to our mental health, the kind of lessons we can uh, take away from that. And this time we kick it off uh, with the super villain story because there's this profound lesson with the villain story. And it kind of represents the people in our real lives that we don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, you know, it's this conversation about the storytelling behind empathy is what I think you're really getting at. And with the superhero and the hero and the villain and the anti-hero story, all of them are very complex in their own way. And, and in our last conversation with Dr. Letterman, we talked about the hero journey, how the flawed hero grows and their origin story and darkness sometimes and how that changes and how they affect it. But I think because we've been seeing so much more complex villains recently and we've been seeing places we can empathize with them and understand how they got here or understand the path And I think because in our life, we often villainize people very fast. Like the example of you see um, a person in the grocery store, like being really mean, you're like, your mental model is like, that's a bad person. Like you've never met this person, you haven't seen this person, but they had one bad moment, you're like, bad person. Or someone has an opinion that's vastly against one of your core opinions, like dumb person, bad person, like as a society, we our brains are really quick to make judgments and villainize and decide they're a villain. And I think with the villain story in these movies and such, we see longer periods now. We see more understanding. We see more complexity to these villains. And because we get to see them more, we get to empathize with them. So the question is, why are we empathizing with the Joker? Why are we empathizing with Thanos? Why are we empathizing with all these like deep dark villains or anti-heroes who are doing bad things in the name of good, but we can't empathize with one another. Taking the time to understand we don't understand everyone's story and being like, oh, you know what? They This might just be a bad moment. Oh, they might just disagree with me this. It allows us to build more empathy and build a more communal, healthy relationship. 
yeah, humanizing each other. On you know that that is what the storytelling is all about. And and, and since you mentioned、uh, Wanda there, we did also get into that、uh, and about you know grieving. Of course, we talked about grief last time as well, but this time you know we we got into、um, you know grieving、um, for something that、uh, did not actually happen, but Was quote unquote supposed to happen or could have happened? You know, for, for, for those of us who、uh, are students who may have graduated during COVID, we have experienced this kind of grief,、uh, almost about our own graduations being canceled, and we we would know for ourselves that it can be very real. You bring up a good point, Kevin. It's something we talked about: this idea of grieving something we've never had and the shame of that. Like, there's a lot of shame there when. You can't explain how you're feeling, right? Or you can't be like, "I'm grieving,"、um, not having the idyllic image, right? And this is a key thing, I think, with storytelling too. We talk a lot about how we create these stories about what should be, right? These, these, this image of what our life should be, and when we don't achieve that, we grieve that in a sense of like, "Oh, my image wasn't perfect. Oh, I'm falling short," right? And I think this is such a toxic form of storytelling because when we get addicted or fixed on an image of how it should be, we are limiting ourselves, like because we will never be able to predict the future, right? That's one arm of it, and then the other arm of it, which we talk more about in this episode, is this idea that there's a lot of shame to that, where you're like, "Well, I'm grieving the year I never got," right? And people are like, "What? What do you? How is that grief? Like, how you can't grieve something you've never had? Like, what?" what And it's because of that story of shame, we limit ourselves again. I can grieve something that didn't happen, right? I can grieve and be with my emotions and understand how I'm feeling. How I'm feeling is valid. If we change the story, the negative, the self-talk to that, storytelling empowers us. Beware of the stories、uh, that are in our head, and we recognize that it's in our head, and that we have the power to change it. And I think that's it for this week, Kev. Welcome back to season three of the Linen Student Plastic Tie podcast, where we have some really exciting new voices and some returning favorites.、So、make sure you subscribe and follow us wherever you listen. Leave us、uh, your comment and reviews to let us know what you're thinking. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at LSPT Pod, LinkedIn, Linen Student Plastic Tie. We really appreciate you taking the time to、uh, work on becoming a better storyteller. Like we've been saying, storytelling is all around us. It's such a superpower to take a second, see it, and learn how to harness it. We love you. Have a good one.